Jake gently slaps his hands on his and rubs vigorously. <laughs> I follow his lead and pull at his too. It's not too rough, he asks. No, I say. Just the right amount. <laughs> it's very innocent. Of course it is. Of course it is. Completely innocent. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? I am great. I'm are you? Great. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't sure. You, you there was a small pause before great. Um, I had a little bit of the post vacation blues I get last it. night. I get it. But I've rallied because it's hot today. It's hot. It's. Yeah. I love that you've said both that you have rallied because wow, what a trooper. <laughs> but also the other thing is yes, it is very hot. So I haven't been away on holiday. You've come back with quite the tan. I'm feeling yes. so jealous. I feel. Yes. Listen, I'm dark skinned and I feel pale next to you. <laughs> So this is ridiculous. I need to also get some sun. I love being brown. This week, we have something quite remarkable. It is a certain special young man by the name of Jacob Benjamin Gyllenhaal. Otherwise known as Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, man. I yeah. love you, Jake. Right? Yeah. There's something about him. And I, you know what? Well, I like that you said his full name mm-hmm. because I'm one of those girlfriends who, you know, everyone knows you as Josh, but I'm going to call you Joshua. Oh, my God. You know? You're Rachel from Friends. Yes. I love it. Yes. <laughs> So I would probably, you know, in the privacy of our home, call oh him Jacob. God. Oh, my God. I hate, a, just, I hate that you said in the privacy of our home. <laughs> You're such a cheese ball. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's get into it because there's a lot to cover with Mr. Jake. Yeah, he's had a very prolific career. Right, and he's only young. Yeah. And he's had like this massive, long career. Yeah. Um, and he's he has like a really interesting mix of like indie stuff and mm-hmm, blockbuster stuff mm-hmm. and like really great like well-received stuff mm-hmm. Oscar-nominated stuff and then he also has some really shit like little turds in yeah. there as well which I yeah. think is standard because yeah. not everyone can be perfect geniuses like us who have <laughs> made no mistakes <laughs> of course um, but yeah we're going to get into all of that with Jake because he's a very special man also like a previous Thirst Objects Oscar Isaac he is of course ambibiatrous mm. which is again one of those just very important things that so many men don't even know women are checking for but <laughs> I am. I know Nicole is. Yep. All right. So, big time. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. This tweet is by Loop Soup. Mm. They're no longer on Twitter. Right. But we had to find it because it's perfect. It's a perfect thirst tweet. We thank God for a screenshot. Wow. Oh, my gosh. They say... I want to fuck Jake Gyllenhaal so badly that I learned how to spell his last name. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Wow. I'd forgotten about how perfect that tweet was, but it really just speaks to a very core part of just lust. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to take on some new fucking skills, yeah? Just so I can accomplish my goal. And that's actually incredibly inspiring. Thirst has such power. It's helping people out here spell obscure European names. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Zooploop. Wherever you are now, I'm proud of your, of your, of your strong work ethic. Because Jake Gyllenhaal does inspire that level of, uh, you know, a thirst for knowledge. Not right. just for, like, his body. Yeah, that's, that's commitment right <laughs> Isn't there. It? This is a good level of thirst commitment. I mean, I get it. I get it. Listen, I first saw Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, in... I think, yeah, it was lovely and amazing, which is like a very old movie. Well, it's relatively old. Mm. And it's like a comedy drama, and he plays like a teenage 
well, at least a young man who is kind of um, falling in love with the Catherine Keener character. Mm-hmm. Um, and Catherine Keener obviously is much older than he is and it's very weird and whatever. And it's, like, it's, it's an odd little movie. My first feeling when I saw him is that he makes me... He has a very mournful quality. Mm. You know what it is? Mm. He has like big sad eyes yeah and i really am drawn to that because he just looks like a he looks like a like a he has the eyes of a cow like really soft like really soft and just kind of like i wish you no harm. i'm just out here grazing on some grass fam like can you just leave me (laughs) i love that about his face he just like he has like a real i feel like if you were with jake you would be calm like your blood pressure would drop it would be chill. Okay. I just okay. enjoy I enjoy so much his chill vibe. So that's what I liked about him when I first saw him. I was like, mm. oh, that dude is chill. And I want to hang with chill people. Uh, see, I thought his eyes, or I think his eyes are very intense and not calming. Both of those things can coexist. That's, that, that's, okay. And we'll get into it because yeah. I do think he has the power to kind of like shapeshift. Yeah, I agree with you there, obviously. Mm. But I remember him from Donnie Darko mm. and I think that's why I've imprinted on him being this really intense and having some kind of drama behind his right, eyes. Right, um, yeah, I agree. When I was in college, I used to work at Blockbuster, R.I.P. R.I.P. And I remember people trying to get customers to watch Donnie Darko and nobody really wanted to watch the, yeah. the film and it didn't do well when it first came out Not but then all. it became like it's this a cult hit yeah this yeah. cult favorite um, so when I finally watched it I was just like oh right oh okay <laughs> this is intense and I had no idea who Jake was at the time I didn't right. know he came from this um, Hollywood family right that he had this legacy uh-huh. um, but I was just like oh this 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 man, this boy is uh he's a little too intense for me. I don't think I can follow his work. I was into it. I thought there was something just like you said, there's something very arresting about him. Mm-hmm. Um because of those eyes and he has like slightly his mouth is slightly downturned, mm-hmm. so it looks a little bit sad. But then when he quirks it, suddenly you're like, Oh my god, mischief. Mm. I see it. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's just one of those people who does a lot. So listen, th- around the time he did uh, Donnie Darko and Lovely and Amazing and all these other movies they all came together around the same time so 2001 2002 mm-hmm. was like a really intense period like during that time he made he, okay so he did October Sky he did Bubble Boy he did Lovely and Amazing he did Donnie Darko he did The Good Girl that's all in the same two year period like they mm-hmm. all came out all together and I think that that really kind of set him up as this kind of like hot young Hollywood actor do mm-hmm. you remember like do you remember when it was kind of like oh Jake he's gonna be like a star and this that and the other because he was doing so many things mm. and then as a result of that I think he then went on to do like a couple of blockbusters he did like The Day After Tomorrow which was like the climate change blockbuster yeah. which doesn't sound like it was good and also it wasn't yeah it was not it was bad <laughs> but then like he became this guy and I think you know in that movie he's, his dad is like Dennis Quaid and mm-hmm. he's kind of like action boy sort of and it's really weird to kind of see someone come up via all these small indie things and then go straight into like blockbuster mode. Mm -hmm. The thing about Jake that I really, really like is that even in those movies where he's clearly playing a character that is for like mass consumption, like in The Day After Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. he retains like a really strong like sense of self, like a sense of humanity that is, he's not just a product is Mm -hmm. how I view him, which might be my own projections, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I feel very strongly that he's always individual. feel like Hollywood and maybe again because when I saw him in Donnie Darko I just kind of I wouldn't say I was afraid of him but I felt like again this is not somebody that I whose career I wanted to follow necessarily like I recognized he was great Mm -hmm. but I also was just kind of like 
I'm a little, I don't know. Right. I just had, I had very complicated feelings about him. And right, so right, right. I didn't see a lot of his work between Donnie Darko um, until Brokeback Mountain. Interesting. Okay. And I think I saw him as someone who Hollywood did not know how to place because yeah. he is not traditionally beautiful. No. He no. is not. But he is beautiful. I don't think that he, I don't, I would huh. not describe him as beautiful. I think that he is striking. I think that he is going to catch your attention, mm. but that he is not, um, I'm going to say Brad Pitt, even though we know how I feel about Brad Pitt. Right, but right. Um, He's not cookie cutter. Yes. Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal is not boring. He is not something that we see put together in an assembly line of beauty. I hear that. I will say, though, and this is something that we're going to come back to as well, because I'm also a huge fan of his sisters. Mm-hmm. And it, to my mind, he and Maggie have the exact same face. Mm. And I find it fascinating. They have exactly same nose, same mm-hmm. mouth, same forehead, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's remarkable how one presents as, you know, masculine and mm-hmm. one presents as feminine. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just like, they have the same face. Oh, my God. Like, gender really is all a game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, you really see it and you think, oh. I, I, you know, and I think that it's a, it's a face that is oddly kind of, like, prettier on him. Mm-hmm. So I would put Maggie in the striking box. I see her and I want to keep looking at her. Jake, I think, is actually just kind of, like, not Hollywood pretty, but conventionally quite pretty. Hmm. So I'm always interested when I see it. And and then, you know, every so often he does something drastic, like he loses weight and he becomes really gaunt for a mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. He has like weird hair or whatever. The fundamental like elements and angles of his face, to me, read as actually quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, kind of boyish, but beautiful. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Talking about Brokeback, because that's like the big thing you saw him right. in after Donnie Darko. Yeah. What are your feelings about, about Brokeback Mountain? It's such a beautiful, emotional film. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. Like, I don't want to sound like, oh, you know, everybody else thinks this, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's such a a beautiful film. It's such a striking film. It's such um, an important film. Um, As wonderful as Jake was in that, Mm. Michelle Williams stood out to me. Oh, the interesting. Most. Okay. Yeah, because she got a lot of the lines that, you know, people kind of laughed at. They had more of... Michelle Williams was like the cathartic release for I think a lot of the audience when she was like that's nasty when um when she was washing the dishes and she's real she's realized what's happening mm-hmm. between Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger's character. Mm-hmm. So when I saw it, I just remember the audience using Michelle Williams as their own personal relief, mm-hmm. uh, release of of the emotions that they were holding in. So when she would talk, when she would have these really charged moments and she was letting go, the audience could let go with her mm-hmm. as well. It's like it's, the audience was still afraid to connect to Jake and Heath. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, seeing it in the theater, I could tell that the audience was just kind of tense in it but you know that again i was in the south watching it so mm-hmm. that could be a part of it as well uh, when i saw broke back i went to see it by myself because i had been told by a couple of people oh my god this movie is amazing and you might kind of might could cry and mm-hmm. i was like okay it's fine i'll go by myself and i enjoy going to cinema by myself anyway yeah so i sat there and i let this movie wash over me and i think a lot of people obviously for very good reason remember the performance of Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. you know, considering the trajectory his career was on and where he was going and so on and the, you know, horrible circumstances of his death. And all of those things, I think, ma- means that we've kind of lionized um, the character of Ennis. We've kind of made um, that performance mean so much more because of the depth of, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching that movie and 
for the first time, truly 100%, more than Donnie Darko, more than anything else, connecting so, so tightly with Jake Gyllenhaal mm. because of his performance in that film. And I think people forget, people forget how good he is. And he was Oscar nominated and I can't remember who won it that year, but I feel strongly in my gut that he should have won it because he was <laughs> very, very good. He was so good. And he has, again, that mournful face yes, where yes. you think to yourself, God, there is so much loss behind his eyes. He wants... Like, he knows what he wants, maybe for the first time in his life, and he wants the other person to want it with the same kind of amount of enthusiasm and kind of like, yeah, it's terrifying, but listen, we have this and it's real. And the bit when he's just kind of, you know, kind of goading Ennis, you know, Mm -hmm. the Ledger character, over and over into doing, like, you know, to admitting and to being and to committing in the moment. And you can see, in my head, I just kept thinking, God, I I wanted to climb into the screen and kind of be like, just kiss him, you fool. (laughs) Like, I was so... Oh my God, my heart is so full. That movie wrecked me. I came out of the cinema and I was like, time to go to bed because I can't even process. And then the next week I just spent all my free hours because I read the short story by Annie Pru mm-hmm. that the film is based on and I was moved. And then seeing it writ large and expanded and made into like a whole world on screen, it just wrecked me. And a good deal of that, yes, is absolutely Heath Ledger's performance mm-hmm. and the Michelle Williams and the Anne Hathaways and all the other stuff. But my God, Jake Gyllenhaal owned me at the end of that movie. I was so involved and I think a clean 80% of that is because of him because his talent is that immense and I think also it's a perfect example of a perfect project meeting a perfect actor with a perfect director and all of it coming together and making something magical because he killed it in that I think that's where I could see the soulfulness Mm. in the melancholy of his eyes because he I mean he has such sad eyes in this movie oh my god like loss and there's something about seeing a man sad, right, <laughs> on screen, right? That it that just it does take over you. It just makes you um, connect more fully because it's kind of hard to portray sadness, right? Well, right. without it, you know, and to be in that moment of my heart is breaking because I want to be with you and I can't, mm-hmm. and you won't you won't let it happen. The mm. people around us won't let it happen. Right. Um, but I love you like I've never loved anything else. Oh and to be able to convey that and and it to be this kind of poetic, romantic, heartbreaking thing right. takes extreme talent. Right. And when I left, I remember because it's on, I've only ever seen it one time because it's such a such an emotional experience watching <laughs> yes, that film. Yes, it's wrenching. Yeah. Um, but I remember wanting to see Jake Gyllenhaal in more romantic stuff, wanting him yes. to have that romance that he couldn't, yes. his character couldn't have. Oh my God, yes. But he's kind of stayed away from like hardcore romances. Yes, which is weird. I mean, I get it, I suppose, right. because they don't necessarily afford you, not every romantic movie is going to be broke back. Right. And I think once you've had that high of a career, yeah. you're kind of like, well, nothing else matches up. I don't want to yeah. do like a mediocre romance. I get it, Jake. Right. Even so, I urge you, Jake, please, if you're listening to this, <laughs> just do a couple of romances dedicated to Bim and Nicole. Just mm-hmm. do it for us because we want to see you in romantic. Like, that yearning, man, he kills it. Oh, mm. I love him. I love him. I really do. Tell you what, we could have had a good life together. Fucking real good life. Had us a place of our own. But you didn't want it, Ennis. So what we got now is Brokeback Mountain. He's very good at kind of at kind of hinting at an ocean of emotion. Like he'll yeah. give you like, I am so full of feelings, but here's a sliver. And yeah. isn't the sliver gonna kill you? Oh man, um, that reminds me of his performance in Southpaw. Yeah, 
<laughs> Again, it's his eyes. He does so much with his eyes, and he was so angry at one point. I can't remember the exact scene now, but I just I see him looking up. His eyes are shining from the repressed emotion. I'm shed tears, man. Oh my so god! Hot. And you know, and that he's a fighter. He's a boxer, so he's got the the a very athletic physique. Um, well, athletic, uh, you know, because it's, it's more than that, babe. But okay, <laughs> because Southpaw is not a thirsty movie, right? No. Um, but obviously he is shirtless a lot. Mm-hmm. He is, um, you know, he's naked. He's being physical. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's a very serious movie. My apologies. Let me tuck my tongue away. Um, but again, he uses his physicality. And you know what? What? He doesn't do that thing like Christian Bale or even your favorite Daniel Day-Lewis, um, you know, where these men are like, I am a method actor. Look at my process. And they announce the, uh-huh. all the changes that they're going through with their body and how they lose so many pounds here mm-hmm. and they gain so many pounds here because it has to be about changing your body. Mm-hmm. Dylan Hall is just like, I'm here to do work. Mm-hmm. This is what I needed to do mm-hmm. to get this role, mm-hmm. to live this experience as this character. I'm doing it. Here's my performance, and I'm out. Yeah. He's just He goes in, he does what he needs to do, and he steps back. You're completely right. Because his career is so full of so many different genres and ideas and whatever, you really don't know what he's going to do next. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy being wrong-footed a little bit. Like, oh, what's he going to do now? What's he going to do now? Mm-hmm. One of the movies that I really, really loved him in, which, I, again, doesn't really come up as like this... I guess because it was like a competent movie and we don't really talk about good, competent movies. We always want to go like incredibly bad or incredibly good. Right, yeah. But Source Code, I think actually for such a modest idea is stunning. And he did this movie in 2011 Mm -hmm. and he plays this guy who essentially dies over and over again. It's a simulation. He's been sent. Oh, right. You remember it now. I didn't see the film, but I remember the trailer Uh because he's in a plane, right? He's on a train. A train, yes. A train, yes. And there's a crash and all this other stuff. Yes. And basically, he, get, he keeps getting sent back to go back and basically avoid this. Like, yeah. he's, he's going back to fix the past in, yeah. in a way. Now, it has, like, a very kind of schlocky kind of, like, ugh, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then you start watching it. And such is the writing. It was written by a, a guy called Ben Ripley. And it's directed by uh, Duncan Jones, who you may know as David Bowie's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and Duncan... Jones makes this movie and it's full of heart and what it should be like this throwaway nonsense movie and by the end of it you're just kind of like my god I'm so invested in everybody's like my god cult like I'm you know Michelle Monaghan plays like the love interest and it's amazing and it's one of those movies again you go in with such low expectations and by the time you come out you're kind of like oh my god it deserves six Oscars like <laughs> I left there with like no irony I was like it should win so much more because it's so good but no one ever talks about it and i am i don't know why i think it's partly because it isn't you know this big old blockbuster and it's not terrible which Mm -hmm. is a problem that we're going to discuss around hollywood i'm sure at some point in the future like this whole thing about it has to be like tentpole or like you know supremely indian it's kind of like well there's a lot of mid-market shit that you people should just be watching and and, you know whatever but jake specializes in that shit he does a lot of kind of like mid-level stuff that you're like this is better because you are in it but I couldn't tell, like, I wouldn't watch it if it was anybody else. Mm-hmm. But because you're in it, I'm going to have a look. And you look through his career and it's full of that shit. You know, Brothers is the same thing, kind of like middling, but better than it should be. Proof, same thing. It's just one of those things where you're just like, ah, I, I want more for you. But the important thing is he seems happy right. in, his little, in his little lane. He has had a film out almost every year since Donnie Darko. Yep. Um, That's solid work. Yeah. And they're, like you said, they're varied. Um, but I want to go back. You mentioned... 
kind of fair to Midland pieces and uh-huh. you go in with low expectations and yes. you're actually not that you're kind of surprised yes. that it wasn't that bad yeah. so there is a film that he did mm-hmm. called Love and Other Drugs oh, with yeah. Anne Hathaway I remember that and I want to actually play just a really quick clip it's actually a little bit more Anne Hathaway than Jake but it's still just it's a perfect beautiful little example of what Jake can do Jake and Anne Hathaway are they just had a little you know little love making session mm-hmm. and they're posted up in bed jake is naked i mean she is too but we're focusing on jake <laughs> okay and he is lounged he's laying back in such a way and you know his his leg is up so you can't see all of his personal business <laughs> but oh it's <laughs> personal business. it's strongly hinted at you know uh-huh. because you can't have any male frontal nudity never because our eyes would bleed and, you know, we'd have to, cats would lay with dogs. Yes. But anyway, go on. Um, so they're having some, you know, post-coital chat. Sure. And he asks her, why doesn't she have a boyfriend? <laughs> why don't you have a boyfriend? <laughs> I'm going. Why? See, the thing is, I really like having sex, and I actually really like having sex with you, so let's just keep it simple. I can do that. Yeah, you do seem like a shithead, so it should be all right. There's just alarms going off in my head. You are not entirely what you seem. Oh, no. I'm a shithead. Believe me. I had a very visceral reaction because I saw that movie not at the cinema because even I was kind of like I'm not spending right, money yeah, on this. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I, <laughs> no shade, Jake. Love you. I watched it when it came on TV in the UK, and I also was struck by. God, I'm not such a perv, but I was struck by the lines of his body in yes, that scene. Yes. It's such a. It's actually such a weirdly female gazy pose. Yeah. Despite the lack of junk in shots. Yeah. Is the way he's kind of like you said. He's kind of like he's reclining. Yes. He's relaxed. One yes. leg cocked. <laughs> and <laughs> it's sorry. It's actually it's a remarkably remarkably female gazy. And then of course it's ruined because then they have Anne Hathaway being naked. Right. In the things, and I'm like, oh my god, you can't show us Anne Hathaway's naked form if you're not going to show us the shit that jake's also kind of like dealing yes. with, come on guys but <laughs> it's still a, an incredibly oddly sensual like scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah more of that please jake i mean he looks like the stereotypical roman god that's laid back and is being served grapes you yeah. know like he's just <laughs> yes uh he looks beautiful great and thigh then, work yes yeah. and his abs how are you laying down and your abs are defined like wow. that has to be some contouring some makeup or something or maybe genuinely cannot relate i mean he's just lounging there just like arm behind his head he's breathing slightly hard as well which is how you can see the abs yes uh. and you know he's just he's fully like look at me look we just did the do yes and now you can look at me exactly observe the goods that you have purchased yes and it's also just (laughs) such a 
it really was like this perfect moment of dating, like when you're having like this hookup with somebody that mm-hmm. you're, you're feeling and you want more, but then they kind of ask something or they say something that makes you be like, oh, you ruined it. And then he's trying to get the, the vibe back. So he was I like, see. oh, yeah, I am a shithead, but you like this shithead, you know? <laughs> I feel that you. That sounds incredibly <laughs> like Listen, specific. It, it, hello. <laughs> oh my God, Nicole. We've talked a little bit about the great projects, mm. the Fair to Midland projects, mm-hmm. which I, I like to call them your matinee movies, the things that you might yes. see in the middle of the day if you're playing hooky from yeah. work or something. A Sunday afternoon yeah, movie. Yeah, those little matinees that you're not mad at, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't have spent money on, too mm-hmm. much money on. And then you have The Prince of Persia. Yeah, I wouldn't say that at the cinema. I was mad excited about that. And that I was excited about that despite the fact that I kept <laughs> thinking, why is this white man playing a prince of fucking Persia? So I was conflicted, but lost one the day and I went to see it. And it's a bag of shit and I love it. <laughs> it is actually a terrible movie and you cannot take it from, no, I fucking love that movie. It's trash. It's the one of the worst things I've seen since I've had eyes. And yet... Jake is so charming with a terrible British accent. Oh, man. And it's just, it's so bad. That wig. I don't know if it's a wig or the extensions, (laughs) but whatever it is, it's not working. And you know I love hair. Yeah, I know you love hair. So if you don't like hair, then it must be like a serious thing. Oh, man. They could have... I don't know, blended it a little better. They could have done anything. Made it had a better to. lace front. I don't know, they but it was bad. It was bad. And, you know, this is Prince of Persia based on the video game. So already ropey as fuck as a beginning. And mm-hmm. then the movie itself was just kind of like, listen, like I said, I watched it. I chuckled at it. I genuinely laughed when he had like a British accent. And I was like, bless your heart, Jake. You <laughs> Americans doing British accents, I always find just like... It's so rare that they get it right, but I admire the efforts. Like, try, try, and try again. <laughs> and bless his heart, he tried. And he mostly failed. But the key thing is that he tried. That movie is so, so bad. But I think he's since made up for it. In this latter part of his career, I think he's really kind of taking more risks. He's doing mm-hmm. more interesting stuff. And I think it really began around the time of, you know, the mid aughts So mm-hmm. he was doing stuff like Zodiac, which was about the serial killer. You know, with Robert Downey Jr. and I think Mark Ruffalo. And that was like a really, really good nuanced performance. It yeah. kind of felt to me that he was trying to kind of carve out a very specific niche. And the director of that movie is David Fincher. And I think he's really going for that kind of like, let me work with the people that I find like interesting mm-hmm. and people who might push me into like, you know, a better performance. I truly appreciate someone who looks to be trying to get better at their craft And I think that that is another big part of my attraction to him is that he seems like you said, he comes in, he does his work. More importantly, he also seems to be wanting to get better at the work. Yeah. We see him courtside at at basketball games with with some celebrities, certain celebrities. We see him... Also appearing in music videos of like Beyonce, Jay-Z. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, the Jay-Z and Beyonce thing, I imagine he met them at a ball game because there's that great photo of him uh, with Beyonce and Jay-Z and Jay-Z's in the (laughs) middle of them. 
<laughs> we'll put this on our Tumblr, don't worry. And Jay-Z's in the middle looking just kind of like, what the fuck? And then either side is like two incredibly animated people. One is Jack Gyllenhaal, the other is Beyonce. And they're like essentially talking over him and they're just, you know, gesticulating. Yes. And Jay-Z's face just kind of like, fuck. I mean, I'm sure it was just taken in a very wrong moment. Right. But I love that photo so, so much. But he looks so happy to be there. He's yes. like, hey, I'm watching the ball with like two superstars. Yes. And when he's um, courtside with Rihanna. Oh, my God. Oh, he is mesmerized. He is enthralled by her. He and like anyone would be. I mean, to be fair, yeah. I'd look like that around Rihanna. If I wasn't like weeping like uncontrollably, I would also be looking at her like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're real. So I get it. Yeah. It's a great photo. So I love that he has these moments where you can see that he has black friends, which is. It's a small thing that means nothing thing. and yet means something. But, you know, it's not just about, like, the racial diversity of the movies he's done. Because right. he's actually quite a vocal kind of, like, oh, you know, more opportunities for women directors and women's stories and this, that, and the other. And, you know, he, sp- he spoke to Elle magazine, mm-hmm. I think, in 2016 and talking about, you know, his sister. He does, like, conservation work and he's, like, this politically aware person and all this other stuff. And, you know, there was that photo of him at the Women's March mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then it's kind of like, cool, cool, cool. Have you ever worked with a female director, Jay? <laughs> like... <laughs> He hasn't really worked with a female director in several years, not since Lovely and Amazing. But I'm just kind of like, it's fine and good for you to kind of be photographed with your black friends and right. doing, you know, looking enthralled by Rihanna, which, as we've established, same. <laughs> but also, like, bruv, can you just just put your money where your mouth is? Right. Do some shit. Like, listen, right. I enjoyed seeing you pop up just as much as the next person in Jamie Foxx's Blame It On The Alcohol video, <laughs> which true is a true fact. He's in that video. Yeah, he I, is, I saw he him is. and I was like, hmm, what? Sure, Jake, <laughs> come on in. So that's my big thing where I'm kind of like, you can talk a very good game about, you mm-hmm. know, working uh, for equality in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can also hang out with Jay-Z and Beyonce and Rihanna and Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And I don't believe those things are like fake. Right. I think he does care about women directors. And, right. You know, I suppose representation of different races and, you know, whatever in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. But I also think, like you said, he has the clout. And I don't know if he is backstage pushing for certain things. Right. Or if we're just kind of like so grateful that someone appears not to be a dickhead. That we're kind of like, yeah, he's doing so much. And it's like, yeah. no, he's not. He's he's not doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's my that's my thing. Like, I love Jake. I wish somebody, though, that the next time he kind of goes, yeah, woman direct. Someone goes, cool, cool, cool. When's the next project you're doing that's going to have a female director? I would love that. Yeah. You know, but that's mm-hmm. just me. That's just how I feel. And even though he obviously has some work that he needs to do uh, in that regard, there is this one commercial that he yeah. did that really almost makes us forget all of that. <laughs> almost. <laughs> wow, I wouldn't have planned that, but yes. It is a Calvin Klein, uh, a Calvin Klein ad. Yeah. I think for fragrance. I don't even know what it's for. It's for fragrance. It's for eternity. Uh, oh, eternity. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't care because... <laughs> oh, my God. Jake is an actual daddy in this... Like, actually. Like, he's, pr- he's playing somebody's father. Yeah. Let me play a clip. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I'm never without it. Do you remember we read this before? And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. Oh my God, he's holding her so tight. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Oh my God. Okay, his eye contact is amazing. His eye contact with both Leah and Layla, Mm -hmm. the little girl, is incredible. Oh my God. I sent that to you when you were away um, and you were in New Mexico mm-hmm. and we were, we were kind of sending fevered WhatsApps back and forth. <laughs> and you were like, oh my God, 
I think I'm crying. And I was like, same, <laughs> same, hard same. Because I saw that I saw that ad. It's also, by the way, directed by Carrie Fukunaga, which just felt like a, an amalgamation of just hotnesses just yeah. kind of hitting. I was like, Leah, fucking Jake, Carrie, all of it. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know who I fancy the most. But this, is, you know, and he's also got that E.E. E. Cummings poem and yeah. he's reciting it with real heart. Yeah. And it's just, oh, my God. I just, I remember thinking at the time, watching, kind of going, listen, no cookies whatsoever. But, you know, maybe I'm ready for a family. I don't know. Maybe I am. Because that's that's the power of this little video. And mm-hmm. there's, there's one bit in particular that kills me. Well, two bits. The first is when the little girl Layla is playing with his beard and pretending to scissors, like mm-hmm. to, to cut it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And the second one is when um, he uses her foot as a telephone. Yes. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, God, he'd be an amazing father to our to our child. And then catching myself and kind of going, what the fuck are you on? You do not have a child with Jake Gyllenhaal. Please calm down. But that was just, it's that emotive. That's all I'm going to say. It's beautiful. Oof. And, the, you know, this is actually the second time E.E. E. Cummins has appeared this season. Tom Hiddleston, we oh, played a clip yeah. of Tom reading. Oh, my God, something. he's our patron poet saint. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. E.E. <laughs> e. Cummings has some issues. Yes, but... he, oh, fucking Ellie does. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so Jake, in, I mean, he's got the beard. Yes, yeah, the full he, beard as well. He's yeah. so intense. And then you see him being very playful and his eyes crinkle at the yes. end when he's smiling at the little girl. Oh my gosh! He, I just... he has two nieces in real life, and I suddenly I thought to myself, "Oh my god, he's probably really good with kids," which is again <laughs> a ridiculous projection. Uh, something that I just want to kind of mention as well, in addition to kind of like feeling that Jake Gyllenhaal is this you know soulful character who plays wonderful you know deep characters that you actually want to kind of care about and think about. There is one particular indelible performance which not a lot of people have seen, not anywhere near the scope of what he's done on screen, and mm-hmm. it's um. It's a video that somebody recorded at Columbia University um, and it's a conversation between Jake Gyllenhaal and um, author and professor Com Tobin Mm -hmm. um, and they were talking specifically about James Baldwin and his work and they're talking about another country and they're talking about, you know, it's a very powerful novel and it's, you know, it covers so much race and gender and all these other things and they have this really wonderful conversation. For one thing, I'm really grateful that we had a conversation about James Baldwin and it was between two white guys because I'm so tired of being like, you know, when people call upon a black person to come and talk about a yeah. black thing. I was like, no, why don't you dissect some shit yourself? But I was glad to see the conversation. And at one point um, between they've been talking for about half an hour and the professor asks Jake to read a passage from another country. Now, in that scene is um, a love scene, essentially. It's a smutty, smutty, smut scene. <laughs> and Jake reads it. And when I tell you that after it was done, I went to stare um, out of the window just <laughs> into the night because I had some feelings. Um, you'll see why. Let me just play you a tiny excerpt from that. Her head dropped. She closed her eyes. She brought her thighs together, then opened them. The covers were in his way and he threw them off and then for a moment, half kneeling, he stared at the honey and the copper and the gold and the black of her. Her breath came in short, sharp, trembling gasps. He wanted her to turn her face to him and open her eyes. Ida, look at me. She made a sound, a kind of a moan, and turned her face toward him but kept her eyes closed. He took her hand again. Come on, help me. Her eyes opened for a second. Veiled, but she smiled. He lowered himself down upon her slowly, allowing her hands to guide him and kissed her on the mouth. They locked together, shaking, her hands fluttering upward and settling on his back. I paid them. Yes. I'm sorry, hold on. Uh, 
I don't know. It might have been too faint for our listeners to hear. But when Jake reads the line of the honeys and the coppers and the gold and the, you know, and that, the black. Yeah. The audience there. Yeah. Russell, they were like, oh. This reading in particular just seemed to kind of have everything come together and coalesce. And by the end of it, I remember just kind of thinking, God, I want to write a book so that Jake can narrate it. Like, it's just yeah. a very good voice and a really good performance. And my God, he's so talented. Also, I'm so thirsty. I need to take a drink because <laughs> Jesus, that scene is a lot. It also speaks to his dedication to his craft because we've mentioned that he comes from a Hollywood family Mm -hmm. so it could be easy for him just to rely on his name right right, to get his roles or whatever but he actually takes the time to learn breath control to learn how to read something I'm I'm assuming it was on the fly I don't know if they had prepared this before I think I think the professor had kind of like set aside the passage for him to read and later he makes a joke about he just wanted Jake to read like a hot scene which again I was like Professor Comtobin same (laughs) hard same but I just really like the idea of like you said like on the fly you can produce yeah yeah so again here's someone who takes his job seriously and even when he is on this panel or having this discussion he knows how to imbue the text with passion he reminds me particularly his voice he reminds me of white guys from grad school that i resented um, because I felt like they had life easy, but they were also sexy, and I I wanted to do them, and <laughs> um, but I just you know I was trying to fight it, and so that's that's the feeling that I have with him. You know what? That is as good a place as any to wrap up because that's that's actually a very <laughs> succinct way of viewing how to fancy Jake. So yeah, shout out to you, Jake, you person who probably has it easy, but we fancy regardless. Ugh, disgusting. I love it. <laughs> Well, that was Jake Gyllenhaal. I love him so much. I said I was conflicted about him, but I'm not really conflicted. <laughs> I just, you know, you just got to settle into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you feel the way you feel. You'll yeah, come around. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I know, I know too many dudes like that where you're kind of like, no, I'm conflicted. Wait, I'm not conflicted at all. Oh, my God. Yeah. What am I? Yeah, I get that. He's just not someone that I would normally be attracted to. So right, that's the conflict. Finding myself mm. attracted to him makes me... Like, oh, okay. yeah. A little double take on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. get that. There are lots of dudes like that where you're just like, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's that's a really good thing because then it kind of adds a little bit of spice to the drabbles. Yeah. Because you're suddenly you're thinking, oh, hold on. I actually <sighs> really fancy this guy. So let's explore this fancy. So that on that note, Nicole, I am so excited to hear your drabble this week because we have... You know, we've had Jake Gyllenhaal in mind for this season for so long. Yeah. And I like the idea of us kind of like every week just piling on you know, new layers of, like, fancy. Yeah. And now, here we are. So I'm excited to see what you are going to write about him. Well, this is... I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> oh, God. This drabble is me and I'm very vulnerable. Oh, God. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Um, All right, let me brace myself. One sec. Let me yeah. plant my feet in the, in the, in the brace stance. Go you know on. how our... My Chris Evans drabble was like my most personal. Uh-huh. This is probably the second most personal. Wow. One. I didn't expect Jake to be the first object that would inspire that. I didn't that. either. I wow. did not either. Okay. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's thirst for you. It'll catch you unawares. Okay. Here's my drabble. I don't like kissing, I say. Jake's eyebrows reach for the back of his neck, but he remains quiet, giving me room to talk. His fingers trace nonsensical designs up and down my back, under my shirt, as I straddle him on his couch. (laughs) 
It's the end of our second date, maybe third if you count the brunch where we first met, a casual group outing that ended with me and Jake talking passionately about thematic poetry books that would make good movies as our friends smirked at us. (laughs) But now, on his sofa, his thighs firm beneath mine, I tell him about men who forced kisses as ways of manipulation, who pressed their mouths against me to stop my questions instead of answering. I tell him about having an overbite and crowded teeth and a working-class single mother who couldn't afford braces for her kids and how I've only just learned to stop covering my smile when I laugh. I tell him that for all the things I'm good at, I'm probably not a good kisser, so don't judge me. His brows are furrowed as he brings his forehead to mine. His hands are warm and still on my back now, except for the pinky he rubs slowly against the base of my spine. Jesus, We're so close, I think I can feel his lashes against mine. When he inhales to speak, it feels like he's taking me inside him. I've been waiting almost two weeks to kiss you, but I can wait as long as you need me to. What? He pauses, his hands wrapping around to cup my front. In the meantime, tell me where I'm allowed to kiss you. (sighs) Tell me where my mouth can go. Fuck off. (laughs) Bim! Nicole Perkins, I need you to get up. And fuck the fuck off. <laughs> what? Why are you always trying to kick me out of the studio? Because you keep writing fucking drabbles like that, bitch. That's why. <laughs> oh, my sweet Lord. Jesus. Okay, hold on. Um, Do you know what? I don't actually want to read my fucking drabble no. now. No, shut up. No, no, no. Let's recognize a real one when we see one. Jesus oh Christ. What? But I feel like Jake would be very understanding of uh, his partner's... Of course he fucking would. ...insecurities. 100%. And want to, like, Listen, let them take their time. He grew up on screen. He knows yeah. how awkward life can yeah. be. He gets yeah. it. He's like a first object for so many people. There must be so much expectation on his shoulders. Yeah. He gets it. He would be 100% just kind of like, Listen, babe, in the words of your <laughs> drabble, tell me where I can kiss, innit? It's like, don't worry about it. What? <laughs> fucking hell, mate. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? <laughs> Listen, there's almost no point to putting a fucking poll up because mine is going to fall woefully short. And that's not even no. me being fake modest. And it's not me trying to gas you up and make you feel bad. It's just the truth of the matter because this uh. drabble is nowhere near as intense or good or fantastic as the one you just wrote. What the fuck? Write me a book about this shit. Oh, my God. Write me a novel. Some Listen, if you're a fucking <laughs> publisher out there, why don't you approach Nicole right now and buy get give her a little two book deal because she's that fucking good as I, as evidenced by that fucking drabble. What? Why am I in a fucking like glass case of emotion right now? I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. That's the fucking mark of a fucking like. Uh, oh my sweet. Okay, you know what? I'm you know, sw- but it is it is a oh my god dream of mine to write a romance novel and get a lot of the shit out of my head onto the page. And you know what? I want that for you so much. You have a drabble yourself. I do. do. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's in a similar vein to yours. It is kind of a slightly personal thing because Mm -hmm. it's it's me as I am a lot of the time. The scenario is one in which I am vulnerable myself, but Mm -hmm. only because not not nearly as vulnerable as (laughs) as the stuff that you put into your into your drabble this week. But just the idea of for me, oftentimes the the most vulnerable I am is when I'm sick. Mm. And because that's when I become, you know, truly, you know, this whiny kind of baby creature. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always (laughs) need someone to just kind of like just treat me very gingerly, very kind of tenderly, like just just be around. But don't crowd me. Uh, Like I'm very demanding when Mm -hmm. I'm ill. Mm -hmm. It's, It's good for no one. 
But the idea at, at the core of this struggle is that, well, it'll be fine for Jake because he can handle a whiny baby who is ill. So this is basically, <laughs> this is me being a whiny baby in, in sick mode. And, and Jake is being, you know, a uh, <clears throat> a caretaker. <laughs> no, that, that's actually, it's, it's not at all disgusting. I don't know why I did that Cardi B son. I was burritoed up on the sofa, all appendages tucked in tight and snug. In the kitchen, I could hear the sounds of cooking activity, a cupboard door swishing shut, the bubble of hot liquid, the fridge. And I was looking forward to the fruits of Jake's activity. <laughs> a minute or two later, he emerged, barefoot, in jeans and a fisherman's sweater, yes. bearing a tray. Tomato soup, he explained, raising his arms a few inches, and grilled cheese. When I made to ask for a lactase pill, he smiled and spoke before I could. The tab's on there, he said. <laughs> After the soup is gone, he re-burritos me and pulls my feet into his lap. What else do you need from me, he says. <laughs> I'm a baby when I'm sick, needy and fussy. So I tell him to read me something. He already knows what I want. He reaches down to the stack next to the sofa and pulls up Jamaica Kincaid's Lucy. Yes. At the bookmarked page, he begins to read, his deep voice washing over me and lulling me into a bone-deep relaxation. Everybody knows that men have no morals, he began, <laughs> that they do not know how to behave, that they do not know how to treat other people. He looks over at me before kissing my socked foot. I nod at him to continue, but I'm asleep barely a page later. <sighs> <laughs> You're right there. Your cases. Oops, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> All right, cool. I just wanted to put some Jamaica Kincaid in there. Like, I don't know, Jake, adapt this fucking book. I don't know, write something. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah. So um, wow. That was uh, that was a uh, two dra- a tale of two drabbles. <laughs> and uh, wow, I've been oh moved my this god. week. I've been moved. Um, you did so much work on that travel. It's so good. I, thank I mean, you. but you did too because I, I can mean, picture this very quiet, intimate moment and him holding your little sock feet. I mean, I can too. That's part of the <laughs> danger of having a brain as ambitious as mine. But the key, the key thing here is, guys, you've got to, you've got to vote um, over on our Twitter. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how this works, Nicole. Do you remember? <laughs> or are you also blown away by the fucking amazing drabble you just wrote? Because I am still. Um, yeah, you can vote on our Twitter, which is First Aid Kit uh, on Twitter. And we'll put up a poll on, uh, you know, like, we'll give it a day to settle. And then mm-hmm. we'll put the poll up. And then you get to vote on your favorite drabble of the week. Uh, you can also send us your drabbles at firstaidkit at buzzfeed.com. And, you know, we might read an excerpt as we did last time on mm-hmm. the, you know, just put it just put it out there so people can see some of the genius that ends up in our inbox every single week. First Aid Kit is produced by us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins, Julia Furlan and TK Dutez. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. We're on Twitter at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's whiskey with an E, woman, and Bimadu, B-I-M-A-D-E-W. And you can follow the show at Thursday Aid Kit. Plus, we're on Tumblr. Find us at thursdaykitpodcast.tumblr.com. We have an ask box over there. Go ahead and fill it up with some questions. And if you need any thirst objects and there's no one else who can help you, contact the Thirst Sommeliers. Call us and leave a very, very brief message on 765-884-4778. That's 7658-THIRST. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people discover us. Plus, five stars looks great on every skin tone. 
Feel free also to live tweet your listen using the hashtag TACPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D. And if you feel like it, you can send us an email at thirstaidkit at buzzfeed.com. Slap on some SPF, keep your fans on high, and have a drink handy. We'll be back next week. Stay thirsty. What? Did you just massage your breasts at me? (laughs) What was that?